Are you suffering from poor decision-making skills, lack of self-confidence and self-esteem? Do you have impeded development of social, emotional, and sexual skills? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Rachel, and you might be suffering from religious trauma. I left evangelicalism and started a podcast. I talk about my experience with purity culture, why I left, and the journey afterwards. I'm happy you're here. Come along for the ride. Cheers to leaving. Okay, hey everyone. I'm Rachel. Welcome Hello. to Cheers to Leaving. I'm Molly. We have, we've got Molly, and we have a very special guest today. We have Daphne, Daphne McGee, and she is here to talk to us about all things relationships. We are talking divorce, divorce. I think divorce is one of my favorite (laughs) topics right now. This is going to be a good conversation. (laughs) In a divorce song. (laughs) Welcome. I've been loving it recently too, so I'm happy to be here and talk to you all about it. Yes. I'm trying to pull up my questions. Oh, I got them. I can get started. Okay. So, well, I have one of my own first. (laughs) I went and watched a couple of your vlog series. So Daphne has this vlog series on Instagram. Guys, go watch it. You can find her Instagram information in the show notes. Um, But she has a vlog where she talks about her story and how she got to where she's at now. Yeah, so you're talking about the Freedom Friday series, right? Yes, Freedom Friday series. I watched like four of the videos. (laughs) They're so good. And I felt like I would love if you could tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now and then take it back a little bit and tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are right now. So our listeners have some context. So what I'm doing in terms of sharing my story or in terms of work or in terms of just having a conversation with y'all and tonight. I would say in terms of like your Instagram page and like what your mission is right now. Yeah. So my goal is to share my story and basically be the voice that I needed to hear when I was going through my relationship, which was a courtship and subsequent uh, engagement and marriage and divorce. My goal is to essentially share what I needed to hear because I grew up as an evangelical and I was very loud about my faith and how I felt like my faith was influencing my life and how I thought everybody would be better off uh, believing what I did. And so now I see how I was really wrong. So I want to be just as loud, if not louder about the things that I'm learning, um, about how those things were so unhealthy and about ways you can really flourish outside of that system. Okay. That's what I'm doing now. And then you asked me another question. What was yeah. the second part? So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Just give us a brief synopsis, if you will, of like, basically, if you want the full story, go watch the Freedom Friday series that she has on Instagram. But if you could give us a synopsis of like, what got you to the point where you are right now, where you're helping people get out of um, abusive relationships, helping guide them and coach them through that, um, 
specifically like you mentioned narcissistic relationships um uh, relationships where there's a lot of spiritual and religious manipulation that's happening mm-hmm. a lot of that influence um so you're speaking to our people you know yeah, you're speaking yeah. to people who grew up in the church who grew up in these super um strict environments where there wasn't a lot of conversation around um consent the purity culture reigned <laughs> overall and um people's interpretations of the bible you mentioned also um christian counseling in your series which i find we talk about that a lot about how it's like super harmful mm-hmm. so if you could tell us a little bit about what got you to the place that you are right now yeah for sure and feel free to stop me if you have questions or want clarification as i'm going through i'll try to be brief because i know like the follow-up questions can can help us learn more um but essentially yeah so like i said i grew up in an evangelical environment home uh, church when i was seven i kissed dating goodbye was released and i remember my pastor at the time holding it up in the pulpit and saying, you know, parents, this is what you need to be teaching your children. And so, of course, that's what my parents taught me. And if y'all are familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram one. And so having black and white rules to follow is actually really helpful for me. And I'm really good at following the rules. And so I was given this set of rules about relationships, which was essentially one, there's there's no dating until you're married, essentially, right? And you, the way you get married is you find someone uh, that loves God and honors God and you, you know, like the goal is to have a life with someone like that. And of course, like the foundational rule under that is that being married is better than being single because you can't really experience the fullness of life and the fullness of God without being married, right? Because that relationship was purported to be the mirror between the relationship between Christ and the church. And so of course you have to be seeking to be married. You have to go through this super rigid courtship process that isn't anything about compatibility it's just all about does this person love god and kind of display these outward characteristics that the church or other people can kind of check off their boxes and then once you get married you don't get divorced oh and of course you're not having sex until you're getting married like that's like so those are the rules that i learned and so it was pretty easy for me to follow the rules and i was very um arrogant and like I said very loud about oh I think all these blessings in my life are coming from me following these rules you know I was able to um like uh, decide what I wanted to do for a career I'm an attorney and so just kind of going through college and law school and undergrad just sharing all the internships and the scholarships and everything I was getting and attributing that to oh like God is good this is not any work of my own but you know God is faithful and just do what honors God and like you'll be good and so I also wasn't really focusing on trying to be in a relationship at that time because my parents got divorced when I was graduating high school and starting college and so that just caused a lot of confusion for me but also I just kind of came to the conclusion that well they didn't really follow the rules so that's what happened and that's kind of that's that's the intellectual range I had at the time because we weren't really taught to think about these issues with nuance and look at the complexity so 
I went through school, wasn't really thinking about, well, it's not true. It's not that I wasn't thinking about relationships, but I wasn't trying to pursue anything. Cause that's another rule. Like women are not necessarily supposed to pursue that or desire that we're supposed to be just kind of waiting and doing whatever God wants us to do. And then like somebody will come and swoop us up. Um, like the fairy tale ending. Exactly. But at the same exactly. time, at the same time, they judge you if you aren't in a relationship or you aren't married. And yeah. there's this expectation of like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to find someone? But, it, but, but don't, you shouldn't want one. You shouldn't want one. Yeah. You shouldn't be yeah. looking for one. Don't date. Don't date. Don't right. Don't, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> don't date. Don't be looking for marriage, but we're going to do this 13 month series on marriage at church and you know on marriage and purity but don't be looking for that yeah and we're going to constantly talk about it from the time you go to a purity ball ball until you <laughs> become a teenager it's your life goal but right. don't think about it <laughs> right yeah and i also unfortunately had gotten hooked up with a church even when i was in law school that preached that same message so it was like a grown-up version but of the same purity culture that was just kind of enforced by that community now and not necessarily like parents or people that were like over us in that sense but they still were preaching that same message and same harmful theology um so when i was almost done with school a guy slid into my dms and you know there was like this urgency to it and trying to get my attention and you know when i responded he sent me this prayer because it was time for finals and um like he knew that he was a guy that actually i went went to school with he went to my graduate school we weren't in the same year so i knew who he was but you know, had never really interacted with him so he slid in my dms he started praying for me for finals and said yeah like praying for success on my finals. interesting way to flirt <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna pray he's, a, he's trying to move no man has tried before <laughs> but it's like can I, just, when you, can I just pray for you girl can I pray for you <laughs> right 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 well but he didn't even ask if he could oh, pray for me he okay. was unsolicited prayers unsolicited it was unsolicited unsolicited prayer and after the prayer he said you know if you're interested in a friendship rooted in Christ like I you're not really be interested in that I want to pursue that I so many buzzwords and my gut was like he's trying to hook you with those buzzwords but by that point I had already been trained to deny whatever my gut was feeling Mm -hmm. um for the purpose of trying to figure out what God wants like we're supposed to lean not on our own understanding and the heart is deceitful right so even though my gut was saying like "Mm, something's off because I couldn't articulate exactly what it was and he was saying the right words I entertained that and it's so funny because when we got married I told that part of our story all the time Um, like because people would ask you know how did y'all meet or whatever and I would tell that part of our story like yeah my gut was kind of off and then we would just like laugh it off but now I'm looking back like wow and then the fact that you felt like you had to tell them tells me that you were crying out for help of like, hey, yeah, you know, that gives me anxiety. Right. Like I hadn't even thought about it in that way. I, Cause I told it as like the, oh, like, ha ha ha. It's so funny. If I had listened to my gut, like we would have never been together. <laughs> you know, like, oh, look at me. Now we're, all, now we're together. Um, 
So anyway, Christians. Long story. Yeah. No yeah. personal. No personal instinct. No. No inner guidance. None. No room for it. Yeah. Yeah. Not none at all. And so, Issa, throughout our whole courtship, and we did again. We did a courtship. Initially, he had said he wanted a friendship, and then it was courtship, and then you know, engagement, marriage, and throughout all of that, my gut was telling me it was like something is off. But I couldn't really articulate what it was because he was saying the right things, doing the right things. Y'all talked about on the dating episode how, you know, kind of the goal is like, you know, you don't kiss and like don't engage in any physical activity. And like that was his thing. He was leading in that. And so he was saying and doing the right things. And so there wasn't a reason at that time that I could say like I shouldn't move forward like I don't want to wasn't enough right and like the spiritual baggage that I had up to that point kind of reinforced that that it wasn't about what I wanted it was about what God wanted for me and that's what I needed to be seeking for my life so we did a courtship engagement got married and like six months into our marriage is when I came across an article a friend had shared on Facebook about narcissism. It was in relation to Donald Trump. That was November, 2016. And I read it and it described the dynamic that was happening in my marriage. And it described what was happening to me as narcissistic abuse or emotional abuse. That was the first time I had language to put on like what was happening and one of my first calls was to um a person in our small group who's also a biblical counselor and she said well abuse is just sin and you know let's like handle it like we handle handle other sins like how do you treat people oh, that sin against you you know gosh. and so then there's like the scriptures about like praying for your enemies and you know like making sure your enemies are taken care of that type of thing and you, david <laughs> uh, yeah it's it, it's it's wild but for me at that point in time it was a lot easier to be in denial like I was trying to take the bar exams I graduated from law school trying to get licensed to practice law it was just so much easier for me to be in denial and keep praying and believing that things will work because I followed all the rules to get to that point I had done the right things so surely there had to be this reward that everybody was promising yeah um Long, long story. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go How ahead. How long did it take from the moment you saw that article and you were you started to put language to the behavior you were witnessing and experiencing with him? How long did it take from that point to get to the point where you were like, "I want to get a divorce"? Um, like two years. Okay. So two for years. our listeners, yeah. if you find that you're in this space. And you're having a really hard time getting to that point of, I want a divorce. I have to get out for real. It's okay. Yeah. It takes time. It takes yeah. time. You can have language for things and it still will take a really long time to put that language into practice and to act, you know, take action towards your, your self-improvement. Yeah. That. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's so true. It takes time to decide if you want to drastically change your life and that's that's okay right and so like for me it it just wasn't a great time <laughs> to try to leave I didn't think and I also
also didn't really fully understand the magnitude of the harm that that was causing me because he wasn't physically abusive or violent or anything like that. So I sort of minimized the harm that was occurring in a way um, because everybody like around me was doing the same thing, right? Oh, listen, you know, how you treat it. Our marriage was hard too. And we had some of the same issues and now we're good and marriage is hard, but it's worth it. So especially when you're in an environment where everybody is reinforcing or validating what you're um, like, what's happening to you in a way where, where they're not validating it, but dismissing it, it makes it even harder. So that definitely compounded things for me and stretched that time out. But I know initially I was like, I can't, I just have to be in denial to get these other things done. So ultimately there were a couple of things that really helped me get the courage to decide that I wanted to leave. One was um, I had been in my research, I had come across some different books and articles and things about different topics. And so when I decided to not be in denial or when I couldn't be in denial anymore, because there were just like the patterns were so obvious and clear and he was just so resistant and rigid. And like, it was clear he wasn't wanting to have a healthy relationship with me. Um, I started doing more research, diving into like finding support groups and that type of thing. And one of the biggest things that really helped me was realizing how my relationship with God sort of mirrored the relationship I had with my ex and how those narratives were super harmful and also how I did not have to hold on to those harmful narratives. So once I could once I felt freedom to believe something different about God, like once I felt freedom to believe that God did not like what was happening in my marriage, that's when I really felt the freedom to do something different. This is, this is a side note, like narcissism is a clinical diagnosis. I obviously can't diagnose anybody. So for anybody that wants to get in the weeds on that, like I'm not going to, but like definitely in terms of the characteristics of like always moving the goalposts, like not being super clear about things, having to walk on eggshells, being vindictive, like all those really are things that I learned about God's character, (laughs) right? And so if we're supposed to have a relationship that honors God, (laughs) then like, obviously, like that's the relationship we're going to seek. And because I, again, was so good at following the rules, that's what I found. Wow. Yeah, I, it, it makes you more readily accept the not good behavior. Because, abuse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It makes you more readily. T- I mean, I, I have been in abusive relationships, you know. I, t- I tend to be okay with them for longer than I should be. You know, you stay for longer than you should be yeah. once it sets in. My first relationship was with a narcissist as well. And it was, again, it took me quite a few years to figure that out and unfortunately I had a child with him so we're still dealing with him but um it was crazy the mind games that I mean if you think about it God kind of plays with you because your thoughts are never safe he's always like in your head on your mind you know all this stuff and um if you act the way that they want them to or that they want you to then it's like you get praised for it. it feels really good you have a good day with them and then 
if you step out of line, then, you know, that's like kind of where God punishes you for sin or whatever, or, mm-hmm. or someone else, like they punish you with their silence or, you yeah. know, whatever else. With, withdrawing like emotionally, being mm-hmm. cold. Yeah. <sighs> yeah yeah thing. it's it's yeah it's wild but like now that I step back and see it the connection is so clear yeah. mm-hmm. and so for me in a lot of ways divorcing my ex was like nothing compared to divorcing the church and like walking away and doing something different spiritually because that is something I had known my whole life and thought I was rooted in Um, to the point where even when I divorced, I thought I was just going to go back to church and continue my regular routine. I sang on the worship team and was working in the children's ministry. And I thought I was just going to hop back in and continue those routines because I was like excited for having this new relationship with God, where I believe that God wanted me to be happy and healthy and safe. But clearly (laughs) my church leadership was not excited about that for me because they didn't, once we got divorced, even though they knew what was going on, we had definitely looped them in. But once we actually got divorced and moved forward with it, in a lot of ways, I had to really push the process forward because my ex was not like cooperating at all, even though he, it's weird because he was the one who left. He like left and moved out really abruptly. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it's weird. I think it was because by that point, I had gotten really clear about my boundaries and the types of things like conversations that I was going to engage in or not. Um, There was a time shortly before, a few months before he left, we were, oh, because I was clear about this dynamic that he had of ruining special occasions and trips and things like that. Oh my God, yes. It's It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. And so the Labor Day before he ended up leaving, we were we were living in Austin and planning to drive to Houston because my family does a big Labor Day bash every year. And the morning of the trip, he basically picked an argument with me. And I said, hey, can we just resolve this before we get on the road? And he said no. So I left without him and (laughs) did the trip without him. And you know, like, obviously, he didn't like that. And so there were other ways that I was establishing those boundaries in the relationship that I think it became clear to him that he wasn't getting, and he he wasn't going to get what he wanted. Yeah, he couldn't control me. And he wasn't going to get what he wanted out of that relationship. So that's why I think he left, ultimately. Um, That is like the most passive, aggressive, but also strategic and self-loving way to get someone to break up with you. (laughs) Right, yeah. yeah. Making it, making it their idea. Well, that's what you have to kind of do with narcissists is kind of make it their idea. Yeah. Or else they'll like stalk totally. you. Or they'll just like say no to everything. They'll just be like, no, I'm not going to agree to that. So I've definitely had to do that in like child custody stuff with my ex, yeah. like really get strategic about it. It's crazy. Yeah. Get him to like make, make it his idea. Like, mm-hmm. And be like, wow, what a great idea. You know, just like kiss ass. Yeah. Yeah, I had to be really strategic those last few months too, just because of like their safety concerns too. Whenever, especially when you're attempting to leave an abusive relationship, even if it has mm-hmm. never been physically abusive, you still want to think about safety concerns 
at that point. Like, even though he left and initiated that, I still was like, you know, let me move out. Let me make sure I'm not telling anybody at the church where I'm living, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of strategy that went into those last few months. Um, because for he sure. would at least, like, stalk you. And, like, right. you know, if he knew where you were and just played more mind games or something. Yeah. yeah. Make your life yeah. a living hell. Yeah. Yeah, that too. for sure. Yeah. And so we didn't have kids. So it has been a lot easier to cut ties and like we didn't have a whole any property. So like in the divorce was legally was pretty straightforward, pretty simple. You were only um, married two years? Three years. Three years. Okay. Yeah. Because I think it's like three years or after then you you actually get a portion of each other's Assets. It depends on the state. Yeah, it depends on the state you're in. It's different. It varies by state. It's not really like that in Texas. Um, okay. But yeah, it really depends on where you are. Um, but like me being an attorney, like it made it yeah, <laughs> a lot easier like, for me I to navigate this. the process. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, ended up filing and doing all of that, and then he had said he was going to agree, then stopped, and there was a lot of back and forth. So he ended up getting an attorney who basically just co-signed the document I had already wrote. <laughs> mm -hmm that's what we ended up filing um so to me that process was pretty simple like I saw okay like it was clear he didn't necessarily care about me he was trying to maybe look a certain way to other people or whatever he wasn't interested in that and so that was like a victim too like oh she's leaving me and all this stuff did he stay going to your same church after you guys got divorced at least for a couple of months yes because we both were um did you notice that people treated you differently than they treated him while you were going to church the same church so, after your divorce uh so I didn't necessarily notice that the church was big enough to where I didn't have to interact with people that were interacting with him okay. um so I don't really know how people were treating him um, I do know that the leadership, in terms of how they treated me, I don't remember if I mentioned this already, but they didn't let me go back to singing on the worship team. Right, they had it was concerns. like you were punished. Yeah. yeah, essentially. They were saying they had concerns about me being on the stage and what that would mean and for my well-being. They're like, oh, well, what if you see him and you're on the stage? All of that was really... Acting like you're just going <laughs> to lose it or something. Did he get removed from any volunteer positions or, like, leadership positions he might have been hold holding at the time? I think so, yeah. So uh, Okay, so they kind of ostracized you guys. Like, yeah, yeah, because, well, but he also, like, there were also issues with him. He was in the children's ministry and, like, not wanting to teach what they wanted him to teach and like kind of doing his own thing and not helping the group. So like there were other issues with that that I ended up finding out later. Um, but yeah, from my understanding, the church leadership in terms of allowing us to kind of serve in those roles was sort of the same, um, except he didn't really have kind of a forward facing role like I did being on the worship team. And so that's what they were concerned about in particular, because they said, like, if I wanted to maybe serve in the kids ministry like I was, then I could maybe do that. But it was for them, it was really about me being seen um on stage because i don't know if they would feel like they were endorsing yeah they didn't want to feel like i was or like they were endorsing my divorce or saying it was okay even though in my conversations with them they said it was okay which like i wasn't Her asking them divorce, you know they hate it 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I use the analogy of what happened to um, Queen Vashti after she in, in, in the book of Esther in, in the Bible, like for people, I know people may not remember it. That's totally fine. Cause my Bible memories are fading too, which I'm happy about, but like in the book of Esther, oh, I like remember Vashti. Beginning. Oh yeah. yeah. What happened? Vashti was a cool lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Got what it. happened to her is like, she yeah. said no, essentially to Xerxes abusive demands and it wasn't only him but it was the other men that were like wait what will the other women think like they see her saying no like we can't have women thinking that's okay we have to punish her Mm -hmm. and that's the analogy I use for what happened to me because I know there are similar dynamics happening in other marriages at that church Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to see that someone could actually be happy and free outside of that dynamic and putting Mm -hmm. them on putting me on the stage could have potentially like cause some people to have some questions yeah yeah that's crazy did you continue going to the church after being removed from leadership I did not it's funny because I I was never officially removed but they kind of just dragged it along they were like oh we're gonna be talk about it oh we don't know let's see and so kind of dragged along for a few months but whenever I was following up there was a conversation I had with the pastor where he was like well like so what are your motives now we need to talk about that and so like at that point I am happy right to just do what I enjoy doing and it's like to oh, are, you trying to, yeah. are your motives evil right are they, pure, are they master selfish? plan are you trying to honor God by this? Or are you trying to honor yourself? Like, what does that even mean, right? But that's the language he was throwing out. Both. <laughs> right, both. But like, that wasn't. And I knew that that reasoning, like me saying I wanted to do something would not be okay to them. And that's when it really clicked for me. Like, we don't believe the same things. <laughs> if me being happy and healthy and divorced is not okay for them, and we we just don't believe the same things and they're not that church like was not compatible with me so there was so probably kind of and I had kind of taken a break from church for a little bit from that church for like a month or so after the divorce but probably like four months after the divorce was when I stopped going to the church for good are you going to church um any church now if you care to share <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I'm I'm happy to share. Um, I'm I'm not going to any church now. It's interesting because that was probably when I stopped going was like November 2019, and I was getting ready to move to from Austin to Houston where I am now. And so I was like, you know, I'm not even going to worry about trying to get plugged into any church. And then when I moved, COVID happened, and so there wasn't any pressure to try to go to church. So I've gotten plugged into some online communities that I'm still a part of, and. Yeah, I'm not interested in finding a church. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you had an Instagram post about God loving divorce. And I thought, I really liked that quote because it's God, it was like, God loves divorce. It was just like right there. And it's the exact opposite of like what we were raised on yeah. and is very eye catching. And can you expand on that? Yeah, for sure. So, what I wanted to do with that was really push against the one like there's an explicit scripture that sort of says something like that that people use 
to um, essentially scare people from getting divorced. So I wanted to push back against that, but also just this overall negative connotation about divorce being bad or being a stain or a mark or whatever. But like having the freedom from that particular scripture was really helpful for me. So I'm not a um, biblical scholar or anything like that, but like from my understanding of what that scripture means is like you have to look at the context and the time and what was going on and essentially it was a very patriarchal culture women had to be married to men to be guaranteed survival in society and so there were things happening when men would um abandoned women who they were married to, but they wouldn't go through the legal process to allow them to seek shelter and safety somewhere else. Mm. And so that's what was being referred to when um, that scripture says divorce, right? It's not the legal process that we know now, but it was that process of abandonment and no legal protection. And it's so interesting because that is exactly what a lot of folks are advocating for in these churches. They're saying, well, maybe you can separate, but getting divorced, like, oh, that's, you know, that's way more serious. You have to think about that. God hates divorce. And that scripture just isn't referring to that that legal process at all, right? Like, ultimately, if you look at that in context, it's God saying, like, I hate abuse (laughs) and like you need to care for people in your society like that you know it's not okay and so I really wanted people like with that post and then just kind of with everything I'm posting I really want people to know like especially people that are struggling with scriptures and like wondering what God will think God (laughs) you can change what you think God thinks ultimately. And so like, for me, it was helpful to come to believe in a God that cares about my health and safety and wants me to be happy, hates when I'm abused and wants me to leave those types of situations to experience, experience flourishing in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Amen. Change the way you think God thinks. I love that. Yes. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about relationships. Um, you you referenced it earlier. Um, and we were talking about, like, how to navigate, like, how we navigated relationships while still a Christian, but then how to navigate them after, you know, leaving Christianity or, or being divorced or, you know, just having a completely different mindset. Um, so I guess I was wondering what your thoughts are on um, this subject and like how you have been navigating your relationships after divorce. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Cause it really is, it's a fundamental change because if you're in the evangelical Christian space, people are telling you what you should want out of your relationships. If you're coming out of that space, you get to decide you, well, first of all, you always get to decide but it's kind of a whole new territory when you're like, well, what are the rules? Right. And so that's something that I had to really kind of work through like, okay, well, I did these things that was harmful. So what do I want to do now? So I think people should know, like, and really understand that you have autonomy and you get to decide what you want out of relationships. If you want to date, you don't have to, right. If you want to get married, 
you don't have to. If you want to be monogamous, you can, but you also don't have to. Like there's so many things that you can explore and think about in terms of what you want. And dating coming out of evangelicalism gives you an amazing opportunity to really think about what you want and also have the freedom to explore and change your mind and try to find relationships that bring what you want, whether that's just like peaceful, you know, being peaceful, happy, like you want financial partnership, whatever. You can you're allowed to to seek that. Yeah. I love that. It's like allowing yourself to want more, to have desires, and then to go seek them out. Yeah, them, exactly. And to receive them. I, I think that um, the idea of a very generic, like like the patriarchal construct of marriage, ultimately is a misogynistic patriarchal controlling of women women's rights but it's also it's oppressive in so many different ways too and um I, I think that now that there's a generation of people who are recognizing that level of oppression that exists inside of the mar marital construct um at its core at its roots um we're choosing not to do that and and there's almost this idea of well you're out in these streets, you know, you're living your life, you're doing whatever you want to do. Um, there's still this undertone of, but someday I will settle down and I will get married and I will have like this monogamous looking relationship. Like, like it's still there, at least for me, it's still there. And it's really hard to break free of that and be like, is that truly what I want? Or is that what I've been conditioned to want? And is that what I see all around me with like the people I grew up around? And so it's like this expectation that it's going to happen. And I'm like, but, it, but is that what I truly, truly want? You know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it is still that. there. Yeah, it is still there because it's, like you said, it's rooted in patriarchy and capitalism and white supremacy. Evangelicalism was just an extension of that, a doubling down of that at a time where it wasn't popular to make laws that explicitly supported those things, mm -hmm. right? So even when you look at some of the really extreme political stances that like Republicans are taking now and the ways evangelicals are aligning with that, those weren't, when you look in the 70s, like they didn't even have those views. Like right. there wasn't the view that life begins at conception. That's a relatively new thing, mm -hmm. but those types of things came into place when laws were changing and women began to have more freedom to get bank accounts on their own without being married, to take get credit cards, to take out loans and mortgages and open businesses and that type of thing. And so this really is like that evangelical alignment with that really is a political response. But like, that's why you still see it because it is just like an extension of the patriarchy that like that exists in society. So for me that was one of the things i really had to work through as well like i'm like oh this isn't just christianity like this is society as a whole and that's why decolonization has been more i'm not saying more helpful but it's been kind of my next level after deconstruction because yeah, it was like okay there's deconstruction there's these scriptures like i don't see them anyway i don't see the bible as like authoritative in this way cool also like what are the ways in which 
I was conditioned to believe, like you said, that like women are inferior, that black people are inferior, that LGBTQ are inferior. Like what are the ways I was conditioned to believe that, that come from society and have like rooted themselves in, in Christianity. And like, how do I begin to undo some of those frameworks and untangle all of that? So that's why it's still hard because those things are still there. It wasn't just Christianity. That was like society more broadly. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, that's so powerful. And it's really powerful work to do for yourself. Do you feel like you can date while you're deconstructing and decolonizing and working through all of these hard questions and this trauma that you carry in your body around this stuff? Like, do you feel like it is a good time to date or, or do you feel like people should probably just like chill for a while while they work on this stuff? I think it depends on the person. Like, I'm not ever going to say somebody, like, there are circumstances in which somebody just shouldn't date. I think if somebody isn't clear on what they want out of the dating experience, at least at that particular time, then it could be challenging to actually find what you want. It's like, if you don't know what you're looking for, it's going to be really challenging in the dating pool, trying to find somebody because you're, you're, you can be swayed by a lot of things and be trying to figure a lot of things out on the fly, which again, isn't wrong, but it can be kind of discouraging and make you think that like dating just isn't a great thing. But a lot of times it is about like, are we really clear on what we want and why we're approaching the process? So I think it's good to kind of at least be a little clear on that. It's, it's fine if those things have changed, like that's changed for me since I've been dating post-divorce. But I wouldn't say, oh, like you just shouldn't date. Um, but like kind of for me, my framework is like, if I feel like what I'm doing is going to be harmful to someone else, then maybe I need to step back. Um, But otherwise, why not? I mean, we're always going to be working through all of this. I don't think there's ever going to be a point in time where it's like, oh, I'm free of internalized racism and misogyny. And now I can just go out here as a blank slate. Like that's, that's never going to happen. There's always going to be things we can do, but I don't think we need to not date because of that. I'm more thinking of like the emotional aspect. I guess probably the way a lot of this stuff shows up in in me is like there's a lot of um, swing back and forth between like hot and cold of do I want to be dating this person? Do I not? Or just like this anxiety ridden looking for red flags, you know, trying to avoid the abusive behaviors as much as possible Uh uh because you're like learning and you're like, okay, so this is, you know, it's almost like manic, I feel like sometimes. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I'm, I am now hitting the point with, with my growth where I feel like I am growing very fast. And so people are coming into my life. I'm trying them on and then I'm growing past that point and realizing like, oh, this is not good for me and I have to move forward. And, um, I'm like, okay, should I keep doing this? Or do I need to stop and just like, let myself go through this growth period and figure out what the heck I'm actually looking for, like, down to the very detail of, I don't know, like, I don't know, I'm trying to not formulate it too much, but I'm, like, super stressed about the fact that there's so much temporariness, and, you know, we were raised to believe that relationships needed to be this very permanent thing, and um, navigating that while deconstructing is very hard because you go very back and forth between what you want and what you were conditioned to want. Yeah. 
that's more what I'm getting. It's so hard. It's it's challenging. Yeah. So challenging. It's challenging. Just navigating relationships in that space in general is definitely challenging. If I was coaching someone though, I I don't think there's I like I wouldn't give a framework and say, okay, here's like the things. It's really you get to decide. Right. You get to like so if you feel like it's not good for you, right. It's okay to take a step back. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, or but then if you take a step back and you're like, man, I do I do really want some type of companionship or something, you get to think about like, okay, how can I do this in a way that is healthy for me? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to be like all or nothing, right? There can right. be different levels too as Absolutely. well. So yeah. Different kinds of agreements. We we talk a lot about agreement styles, like relationship styles and stuff in our um we have a couple episodes where we talk about dating and um, it all comes down to like communication and like agreeing on like what level you guys want to be on, you know, yeah. what kind of partnership you're looking for um, so that you can explore. I guess that does give it a nice little container that you can happily live in while you explore. Do I want something more long-term? Do I want something more short-term? Like it's fine. Cause you just, you made an agreement with someone that, Hey, this is what this is until further yeah. notice. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's interesting too, because I feel like I know I've done this and it sounds like this is the space you're in too, where you're being like really intentional about it. Not a lot of people even approach it like that. So it can also yeah. be hard to find people that are on the same page or even willing to have yeah. those open and honest conversations. So oh, that it can, scares them. It freaks them yeah. out. What are you talking about? Yeah. You want to know what we are? No, no, no. I don't care about commitment right now. I just need to know what are the boundaries of this right. situation. Like, I just want to be really clear <laughs> and explicit. And I think that's healthy, but it, I, I just think there's some larger conversations like we all can have about relationships and how we approach them. Because a lot of people, like that is new to a lot of people, like this framework of like really being clear and explicit. But we know coming out of really harmful situations that that is going to be what's most helpful and produce the healthiest relationship ultimately. You gotta talk about things. You gotta talk about things. <laughs> <You gotta> talk <laughs> about things. <laughs> Rachel's married. She's like, just, just talk, guys. Just communicate, please. <laughs> just talk, man. It's, it can be definitely. It can be scary though when you're coming out of a relationship where you were punished for trying to bring up issues and you had to walk on eggshells. It can be scary to then dive into a new situation, even if it's casual or whatever, it can be scary to be okay with bringing up issues. So there's definitely like trauma and all of that that comes Mm -hmm. into play. And we just know like we can be aware of that and work through it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being aware of your triggers is very helpful and navigating relationships and realizing oh you're not trying to hurt me I'm just triggered by this or you know right well I think it's a really beautiful exploration too of like people don't cause you to feel a certain way you feel a certain way based on how you're reacting to like how your body is reacting to whatever they're doing they're not making you feel that way. No, they're just Molly, doing they're definitely something. making me feel no, this way. They're definitely doing something, <laughs> and then you're feeling that way, but they're not yeah. being like, you're going to feel this way. Magic. 
that means it's my fault. Yes, <laughs> that you need to work through how, regulating your nervous system so that you stop freaking the fuck out. <laughs> I think and, that's so, it, so yeah. super huge. And it doesn't have to be like your fault. Like you didn't necessarily no, do anything like, wrong. Like that's just you based on what your experiences are, based on like what you bring to the table. There's nothing wrong. Maybe fault it's wasn't just, a good word, but you have to take ownership. Yeah. You have to take yeah. ownership of what you you're feeling. responsibility. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about taking ownership of what you're feeling and then taking responsibility no over the actions that you take around what you're feeling, whether that's setting a boundary or stepping away or going out of the room and taking deep breaths, you know, whatever it is that you need to do to calm the fuck down so that you can then proceed in a clear concise you know manner that honors you yeah yeah <laughs> and you know, the other person at the same time the secret to all of this is just to pray before you have your talks <laughs> <laughs> guys you just really need to give it to the lord you just really, really need to surrender to, it to, it to the god lord. because he'll just take it from you that's he'll how just, it works he's just gonna take your relationship and lift it up he's gonna lift up your relationship yes, yes. You know, I really thought that was going to happen. Like, Me too. I, I, I thought it was too. Why, that's why we're making fun of it. Like, we were convinced. Right. Like, when is this, like, Jesus juice going to come in and be sprinkled on this relationship? <laughs> right. When is this going to get I stage my house yeah. with Jesus juice? I can't believe how many times I remember having conversations with my mom where I'm like, I'm doing everything right in this relationship, but he won't, he won't commit to me in the way I need, I want him to, or whatever, you know, whatever it was that the problem was. I'm like, I deserve it to be good. You know, I deserve for it to be good because I'm doing all the right things. And she was just like, well, you just got to pray. And, you know, you also got to communicate with each other and just, you know, get on the same page. But, you know, maybe if you guys started going to church again or... Oh, my God. I hate that Christian one. counseling. That yeah. Yeah. Mm. We got that a lot. And I it's like, like, no, you need to leave... just a narcissist. Or, yeah, maybe you just need to leave this relationship because you guys clearly yeah. don't want the same things. Right. Right. <laughs> it's so like, obvious. You're, you're allowed to do that. But, yeah, I didn't think I was allowed to do that. Yeah. I thought I could just say, oh, I don't like this or I don't want this. Right. No. We weren't allowed to say a lot of things. Yeah. But I think even sure now, as hell are now. I, I mean, I don't know. I think even now there's like this, this, I am unlearning so many stigmas around relationships and women and my role as a female presenting person in a relationship, like, especially with heterosexual males. That's, that's difficult. I feel like if I was navigating. Heterosexual males. I feel like when I was navigating the queer space, it was, it was still difficult because I have all this internalized homophobia. Um, don't we all that were raised in the church were all working through that, you know, and like being queer myself, it's like been really interesting, but I feel like navigating queer spaces, um, I was more in that exploratory, like this is very new stage. So I never got far enough to truly experience a queer relationship so all of my relationship experience is with heterosexual men. And even if they're not, they weren't raised in the church, there's still this very intense push towards monogamy and marriage and commitment. But at the same time, there's like this anti-push, like this free form thing, but I don't want you to be 
seeing anybody else. I need you to just be committed to me. It's like very, very, you know, narcissistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of the norm now. It's that's what's, I, I can't tell you how many times guys have, guys have even told me like, wow, it's, it's interesting that you don't go through my phone. And I'm like, we're just dating, dude. We're just talking. Yeah. <laughs> you're not my boyfriend. Why would I go through your phone? (laughs) Why would I even do that if we were together? Like, like, why are these things happening? And, and I, I feel like so much of purity culture and evangelical like perspective of marriage has gotten pushed into like, like secular society. And it's like all the toxic parts are out here, like in American secular society, Western society, you know, makes it really hard to navigate. Like dating is tough. Yeah, yeah. That's that's patriarchy. That's like that that's what that is. It was infused into evangelicalism and is infused into evangelicalism, but also exists outside of it. Yeah. Very deeply. And like I feel like this episode is great for people who have left the church, people who are still in the church, people who um have never been in the church, you know, because I think all of us have experiences where we are kind of pushed towards this you need to date someone and then get engaged and then marry them and then have babies. That is your role yeah. as a woman. That's the ultimate goal. <laughs> yeah. The relationship escalator, as I've heard it referred to in like polyamorous communities, is like what you're supposed to do next. And there's these steps and that's what you're supposed to do. That's and there's a good the word, goal. relationship yeah. escalator. I like that. I like that language for that mm-hmm. process, the relationship escalator. It's true. There's like, it's already built into our minds by the time we're entering into relationships at, you know, late teens, early 20s, that when, you know, you've dated a guy long enough, the next step is to get engaged. And then after that, it's to get married. And then after that, when are you going to start a family? You know, like, that's just. Right. Yeah. And if those things aren't happening, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think yeah. about how much easier life would have been if we didn't have that narrative in our heads. Right. Or if, like, every time we went on a date, you're thinking, can I eat across this table from this motherfucker every day for the rest of my life? Because <laughs> that's definitely a question that runs through my head on every date I go to. Is this someone I could eat a meal with every single day? And a right. lot of times the and answer why? no but like why am I even asking that is the first date yeah yeah because your brain just goes there yeah it's like it goes to long term immediately and like that isn't even something I'm necessarily like wouldn't even fit into my life currently Mm -hmm. I sometimes feel like you know well Daphne I feel like you already uh answered this but in case there's more you want to say um I was just going to ask well what would be one thing that you would tell someone who's, you know, navigating dating and relationships after leaving the church and being an ex-evangelical? Um, getting a divorce. Getting a divorce. Like, what What? What would be something that, that you would just want to tell them that you think is maybe the most important? I know I'm, there's a lot of things, but... Yeah. One or two tips. One or two tips. I've kind of said these, but I want to pull them out as like the main points. One is that, and and they go hand in hand. One is that you get to decide what you want 
or don't want. Like that really applies across all the spectrums, whether you're like currently, you know, dating someone, engaged, married, seeing that you don't want the dynamic that's happening, you get to decide that and you can you get to decide if you want to do something different and how you want to do something different. The other thing that goes along with that, like also you get to decide and you don't need permission from anyone <laughs> to do anything different, right? Like you just can do it. You don't have to see, cause I, I know this was like something that was challenging for me. I was like, you know, again, we're conditioned to seek the approval of God, which inherently means, okay, it's what do other people say God says? So it's pastor or it's elder or small group leader or parents or wise counsel or whatever it's like no you get to decide because you are the one that knows most intimately what you are experiencing and so you can decide what you want to do and you don't have to ask for permission from anyone else to do that even if you are married (laughs) you don't you don't have to ask for permission that's great that's a good reminder I think because we are so used to doing that. Um, I just wanted to get into it a little bit, just kind of um, your coaching business. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know you're probably a bomb-ass lawyer, and that's really cool. Um, but in regards to relationship, uh, I know you do like one-on-one coaching, and you have your blogs, and you've been on other people's podcasts talking about this. So um I know this is a huge passion of yours so what exactly do you do and like um I guess what's your ultimate vision for the relationship coaching yeah I love that question so um like I mentioned at the beginning I just want to be really loud about my experience and letting people know it's okay to want to have peaceful relationships that make you happy um and it's okay to seek that so I want to be really loud about that that's why I have my blog like I wrote the story and then I did the vlog series where I read um the blog um live uh I love speaking on podcasts and like conferences and things like that um talking to people about um domestic violence and ways it can show up in maybe like more um, covert form so not necessarily physical but what is emotional um, or spiritual or financial abuse like what do those things look like Um, and through one-on-one coaching I love to help people who are trying to figure out should they stay should they go or if they figured out they want to leave but they don't know how love to help people with safety planning coaching them through strategy and getting through their situations um with a lot of clarity and like having confidence in their ability to care for themselves so i love doing that i think ultimately my vision what i would really love is being like a relationship expert that they have on different reality shows that they like call me to weigh in on things i would love to do that ultimately so so cool (laughs) You should totally do that. (laughs) I love that goal. That's amazing. Yeah, that's the ultimate vision. But I am mainly focusing on my on coaching right now because I know how impactful it was for me. Like I got a coach right after my ex had moved out. I got a coach who helped me get clear on what it is I was really wanting and how I wanted to approach that time. And it was so 
helpful and impactful for me. So I definitely want to help people in that same way. Um, depending on when people listen to this, I'm offering some free one-time coaching sessions. And so the link is in my bio on Instagram, which will be in the notes for the show. Um, the folks can schedule that with me if they have, there's like one issue or something they want to work through. Um, I'm happy to help. That's amazing. And how can people find you on social media? Where is the best place for them to find your information? Yeah, so I have a website, goldendaph.com. Um, it's goldendaph.com. Um, also on Instagram, at goldendaph. And all the information is in the link in my bio. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. You have such an impactful story. I know it's so relatable for so many people, which is unfortunate, but at the same time, really (laughs) powerful because, you know, a lot of people are working through this, this deep healing. We're just like in this amazing phase of just like collective healing (laughs) and getting, working through this stuff. So thank you for being um, a catalyst in these areas and for coming onto our platform and talking to us about this really important subject of divorce and abusive relationships, how the church just perpetrates cycles of abuse. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate y'all making the space and just the space for all of these conversations about like what it looks like to live outside of that evangelical system. It's super important. Yeah. Yeah. It's necessary. Yeah. (laughs) Guys, you can join our Facebook group. Lots of good conversations are going on in there. Um, Link is in the bio. We have like a link tree in our bio on Instagram. We'll also have a link to the Facebook group in our show notes as well. Please answer the questions to be admitted. We will not bring you into the group unless you have um, been added by like someone that we know in the group or have answered those questions. So please answer the questions. And then we'll let I'm you not in the group. I'm going to go join the group. Please do. Yeah. It's Cheers to Leaving Support Group on Facebook. And I I, I mostly run it, but um, it's a good time. Lots of really good conversations. I would love for you to be in there, Daphne, because um, it's a great way to connect with people who could possibly be potential clients for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to help out small business owners who are working in the healing community and helping um helping this cause, you know, to help people get out. So providing resources is really important. And that's a big part of the Facebook group is um, we've got all these amazing healers and coaches and facilitators and people who are professionals and what they do in there, joining the conversation and uh, being available. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely hop in. Please do. All right, guys. I think that's a wrap. Yep. We'll see you next week. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cheers to Leaving. Please find me on Instagram and Twitter at Cheers to Leaving. If you would like to send me a DM and give me any sort of ideas for upcoming episodes, I would love to hear from you. If you are interested in coming on the podcast to share your story, I would also love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. It truly means so much to me and I'll see you next time.